Hey, I'm Fred. And I'm Ant. And this is Creator Generation. Frederico, why have we created this podcast? Well, we work with creators all around the world and partner with companies like Google and YouTube, not just to make their channels better, but to basically make them better creative entrepreneurs. A lot of uh, people think creators are like content factories. We don't think that's the case. There is so much more to being a creator. On Creator Generation, we take you inside the minds of the world's top video creators and experts to share their tips and stories from working on the world's biggest video platform. All right, Fred, what is happening this week? This week, we're chatting to Dolan from Planet Dolan. We're going to give you a million times your revenue. I'm like, okay. (laughs) Yeah, and Dolan has a pretty big channel, well over 7.5 million subscribers across a Actually, a bunch of channels. Indeed. Very big subscribership. Uh, he originally started in gaming and now does um, listicles and edutainment. Some really big and interesting questions are answered, like why are cats afraid of cucumbers? Or is a turtle without a shell homeless or naked? Definitely naked. I'd say homeless. Anyway, we talked to Dolan about what it's like being a solo creator and then growing to employ up to 30 people on your YouTube channels. And Dolan is a wealth of YouTube knowledge, so we quiz him on his top tips to help emerging creators grow and succeed on YouTube. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Dolan, welcome to Creator Generation. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Mate, can you start off by just telling us, well, a bit who you are and about your YouTube channels? Okay, so I'm an Australian, uh, and I, I like to create videos about like animations and countdowns and that kind of thing. Uh, mostly like edutainment, so like facts, and uh, we throw in a bit of humor and that kind of thing. Uh, and yeah, we've been doing this for like five years or so. Started off with just me, and then we grew into a, a bit of a company of about 30 people or so. Uh, it's a bit international, but there are quite a few people from Australia that are also working on it. Um, yeah, just having a bit of fun and uh, just making tons of content. We've got about two or three channels that uh, we produce stuff on pretty frequently. And those cha- what are those channels? So you've got Planet Dolan. That one has a lot of like true stories. So uh, things like uh, what happened to someone, like if they cheated on a test at school, like uh, a weird method they use. Like some people use, like they cheat on tests by looking at their feet. They've got the answers written on their feet. <laughs> or uh, one guy trained a homing pigeon to come to his like his window, settle there and actually like have the answers like written on his leg, which is pretty elaborate and <laughs> unnecessary. Um, and so the other channel is uh, Super Planet Dawn. That's our animation channel. So maybe once every few weeks or once a month, we'll do yeah, edutainment. So we'll take questions from the audience and then uh, we'll add a bit of humor, like a humorous an- answer where we like make up like a just something funny, but then we'll have a real answer after that. Uh, we have like a giant cast of characters, uh, voice actors that we've met for ages. Awesome. Um, where did it start though? You, yeah, team of 30, multiple channels. I don't know how many million subscribers, many. Yeah, on uh, the on our Planet Dolan channel, we've got about 4 million. On our animation channel, we've got about 1.8 million, something like that. Um, we have a couple of other channels. One of them has like a, a million and... One of them has like 800,000 or something. But those are like experiment channels. Sometimes we just like, we'll, we'll try doing like movie countdowns or we'll try doing like gaming stuff. And so it's just for fun. There's a bunch of creators who are like hating on you probably right now. Like, oh, you have an experiment channel that has maybe, <laughs> I don't know, 
maybe a million subscribers. Yeah, something like that. And, <laughs> you know, the channels are for sale if they want them. We're not really doing anything with them. So, um, <laughs> There's a few more people hate you now. Yeah. Uh, but how did it all start? Like, what, 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 like, you know, it's got to start from, from, Zero, right? So, what was the start for for you? What was the Dolan start? So, I I like at the very start started doing gaming stuff. So, I got interested in doing World of Warcraft boss guides. So, I just figured that some short guides for fighting the bosses would be fun. Um, and so I started making those. And then after a while, I was like, I'm bored. I'm going to do other stuff as well. So, I just started doing like general gaming videos. And then I came across countdowns after a while, which was just like uh, just educational lists, just interesting facts. So I was like, well, I'll try doing that with gaming as well. Uh, and after a while, I got bored of that. So I was like, I'll start doing just general countdowns because that looks fun too. Uh, so I made a whole new channel for that one. And once that uh, exploded in popularity like, over a very short period of time, maybe a month, uh, that's when we could start hiring more people to help out with like editing or writing. Uh, and from there, uh, it's just I think it's my love of animation and cartoons that... Uh, prompted me to next start doing just animations on a separate channel too. Uh, but yeah, at the start, it was just me in my bedroom and uh, I was just trying to just come up with any video idea I could. I'm just like, it's all experimenting. It's just for fun. Uh, and so you just do lots of research. You're like, what's already on YouTube? What could you add to the big pile of videos? Uh, it's just, it's you just have a bit of fun and then you find out what your niche is really. And I mean, a lot of creators um, do say that, you know, um, not many go in there with any real strategy or saying, yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be like that. And I think that's all part of the YouTube journey. You know, it's discovering what works for you. Um, did that take a long time for you? Uh, yeah, it did at the very start. So, um, I mean, I had all kinds of throwaway channels back in 2012, which is when I started. And I would just try all kinds of, like, I mean, I was interested in writing, so I did some writing videos on how to write novels and short stories and stuff. Uh, and then from there, I pivoted, kept pivoting just general areas, like, I'm interested in gaming as well. I'm interested in, like, talking about movies. Um, yeah, it, it, it did take a while to find my feet, and uh, I think anyone can attest to that, to find your voice. Uh, no one can, You start YouTube, you know, you start really professionally it's like hello everyone i'm here to uh, teach you about this thing or i'm here to have fun and you will have fun too and then after a while uh, like i used to have a really professional voice in videos and now i'm just slurring all the time like hey we're gonna talk about the thing and you're gonna have you're gonna have tons of fun because uh, yeah, you're drunk half the time while you're creating youtube content well i don't want to give away my secrets or anything but uh yeah, it, it's just you kind of relax after a while, and then uh, after you've found your, your niche and your interests, um, you, you just start making lots of that kind of stuff, and you just you keep exploring no matter what, no matter what content creator you're talking about. They've all pivoted, they've all tried new things, and it's worked for them. So when before you you ended up like at the this countdown channel stage that sort of blew up pretty quickly, what sort of timeline are you talking from Warcraft to game, you know, gaming, and, and then more general? Sort of thing. What sort of timeline? I think it was about a year and a half before I got anywhere. And when I first started, um, uh, you just had to post your stuff everywhere. So I'm sure the World of Warcraft community got real sick of me posting in every forum thread I could find and messaging all these channel operators. I'm like, I made this video about this thing. Do you want to post it? They're like, no. I'm like, I'm going to keep trying. <laughs> going to make more videos. Um, yeah, and you just you just post it everywhere just to get any kind of attention you can because everyone starts from zero. Um and then after a while, once it starts to snowball and people get used to you, then you can start do, like experimenting with things and you already have a built-in audience. So, 
yeah, it, it's it's a long process. Uh, but I mean, it might be different these days because it's 2019. We're way in the future now, uh, and I'm sure there are different methods. But that's that's what worked for me. Just just the big grind and having faith in yourself and just keep producing stuff uh, that you have fun with. Yeah, cool. Was it a, a hobby to start with? Like when the the why did you start making? Warcraft videos because I had nothing else to do. <laughs> yeah, I was I was just playing WoW all the time. Uh, I'd be like rewatching Dragon Ball Z all the time. I'd be writing my short stories. I'm like I'm so bored. Oh my god! <laughs> um, so I was, I was doing a writing course at the time, and so I had a bit of spare time. Like especially at the end of the school year, you have like a few months before you start again. And so it was like I can continue to be unproductive and watch movies and stuff, or uh, I can try this cool thing that I'm already watching every day anyway. Uh, and that's, yeah, that's how it started. I, I knew that uh, there are other content creators who could make a living off this. So that was the incentive to keep pushing past the point where you want to give up anyway. Uh, you can, you can like, turn it into something where it'll help fund itself and uh, you don't have to find an additional job to fund what you're doing. It could fund itself. So so was it, did you have that work mindset when you first started? Like, were you like, I'm going to work at this or I'm just like, the same as you sitting there in your bedroom watching Dragon Ball Z or playing Warcraft. You're like, oh man, it's just something else to do when I feel like it. I'm just going to make I, something. Yeah, I definitely committed to it um, early on. And uh, I think that any any new enterprise that you go for, especially if you're working for yourself, you have to be uh, you have to be tenacious in what you do and you have to keep making stuff. And it's very important that you have faith in what yourself because it's really easy to make a video one day and the next day be like, that was the worst garbage. No one should ever watch this. Gotta, they're going to bury this somewhere deep dark. Uh, but instead you just got to keep making stuff, improve as you go. It's like learning an instrument, you know, no one starts off really, really good. Uh, you might have a little bit of talent, but everyone works on it until you get to the point where it's, you're making good stuff. So, uh, yeah, it, it was, I definitely approached it. Like I should make a video at least like twice a week or something like that. Um, try and put all my effort into it if I, wherever I can, uh, do research to see what other people are doing and see if I can learn from them too. In 2012, that that path wouldn't have been that clear either, right? Mm. So, like, was, it, was there any anyone you you followed or, or looked up to or, or resources that were available that you? Yeah, um, well, I guess when I first started, I watched a lot of World of Warcraft YouTubers, and so they would have a, a small community of their own, um, and so they would all be talking about this kind of stuff. Like, I think AdSense was even a new thing back then. Uh, a lot of the, before that, everyone was just uh, signing up to networks, dodgy, dodgy mm. networks like Machinima, uh, <laughs> and and uh, trying to trying to make a living through that. And there was no, I don't think Patreon was a thing back then, uh, or at least it wasn't anywhere near as big. Um, so yeah, it was it was a bit of a different time. You talked about dodgy networks. <laughs> um, it's an interesting thing because you know a lot of MCNs are falling over um, at the moment, and um, it's you know it's a new a new landscape, new horizon for. You know, a lot of creators and, and, you know, the way everything is pretty much changing up at the moment. So, one, were you ever approached by any of the MCNs and did you join? And then, two, what do you think the future is going to be for creators now that the MCNs are going? Yeah, I, like every day, I think. Yeah. I got, <laughs> yeah, emails from these random ones and they're just like, we're going to give you a million times your revenue. I'm like, okay. Uh, sounds like a bold-faced lie, but... Uh, yeah, I so okay. So usually with these things, I try them at least once. So f- specifically for the gaming channel, um, once my countdown channel got established, I thought what a good idea might be to license that channel to a network and just see how it goes because I've never tried it before. 
Um, and I saw I licensed it to Curse and uh, Curse to, well, pr- primarily they started out, I think, with World of Warcraft and they expanded to other games. Um, and so I actually don't regret joining them because they were really communicative. That word, the difficult word. Uh, and they, <laughs> Say it uh, again. No. <laughs> uh, and so they would help you out whenever you had trouble with uh, monetization or, or copyright or even just licensing stuff. Um, but yeah, uh, these days, uh, definitely not as necessary now that you two have got their own system set up. Um, in terms of the future of, I guess, creators, um, I think given the instability of YouTube at times, uh, I always encourage people to diversify wherever you can. So uh, whether that means um, moving your content to other platforms in addition, I mean, Twitch is quite a big thing now, so people usually diversify onto that. Um and have like a dual business thing going on. Uh, so we manage to diversify by doing merchandise. We do uh, regular sponsorships on our animation channel as well. Um, we have a mobile game that is called Don Cart, and we released that, I think, last year. Um, we also do Patreon as well, just for the fans that want to help out. Um, we also have a book that's, that's in stores. Uh, so we try to get everywhere we can uh, just to uh, keep things stable, uh, help out the people that are working with us uh, tomorrow that it's not just like, oh, that's it. <laughs> Bye. So, I mean, you talk about all these extra things, that do, I mean, other revenue opportunities. Um, when did you start thinking about that as part of your journey? Mm. 2017, March, wow. the apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> really? That, that's wow. when the journey began. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's when uh, I was uh, actually on our honeymoon. Uh, so I just got married and so we went to Fiji and uh, the apocalypse happened at the tail end of that. So I was watching our channel numbers and revenue just like go down the toilet. And so on the on the flight back, uh, it was just we were thinking about other ways that we could uh, diversify our revenue. And so I guess most of 2017 and 18 was about finding different methods of doing that, which we did in numerous ways. Um, yeah, I I guess we did merchandise before that point, uh, but that was when we really hunkered down and made sure that our business could thrive in other so, areas. So before that, your majority of your revenue was, was ad revenue yep. from YouTube? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I mean, I'd say that you'd make a little bit on the side, but it's just nowhere near as much as what you get from ad revenue because um, that's a reliable amount in a month based on your view count. And if your view count's stable, then it's, yeah, you can rely on it as like a terms of your business. But things like donations are like a one-time thing. Um, so... And who helped you set all that up? Like, you know, there's a lot of knowledge needed there. Me. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> bit, so, of, bit of trial and error? Yeah. I, I mean, I can give examples of, of a, a few of those because um, I think those might be more helpful than me just being like, you, people should try doing this and that. Um, Pam McMillan, uh, the book publisher, they reached out to us. And so uh, they just said, we were thinking about doing a book based on your countdown scripts that you got. And so we met up with them. That was a pretty straightforward process dealing with those guys. Um, so in that case, they came to us. Uh, the, the the game that we published uh, was networking with a friend of ours that uh, they they basically specialize in helping you connect with other people who are interested in like uh, making games or making cartoons or making movies that kind of thing. Um, and so that was, uh, th- that was a, a simple process of figuring out like what our brand strength is versus what they can output and then uh, helping each other. So um, 
that was yeah that was a major bit of networking but other things like patreon i mean everyone knows patreon merchandise uh our, our same friend hooked us up with um hanabi and hanabi do a lot of merchandise mm. for uh, rooster teeth and a few others um but before that we did i think i think it was teespring or something like that so i mean that was that was just as good but at least this way we can get our merchandise into conventions and stuff um and a lot of these opportunities just came because we had already built up an audience um if you're just starting out it's really hard to make connections like that and so uh once you start to uh snowball a bit then you can start to approach these companies or or people that specialize in networking and uh and be able to connect with others who are you know, you can have a mutually beneficial arrangement, that kind of thing. Now, you talked about, obviously, you diversifying 2017. That's quite a bit after you started. Yeah. For newer YouTubers or YouTube, emerging YouTubers who, are more, who want to be serious long-term, do you recommend they start earlier thinking about those kind of things? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, um, the, especially these days. Uh, but I think most people are quite savvy and uh, there are way more opportunities for diversification these days because, I mean, uh, after the apocalypse, uh, I think a lot of creators started looking into that and spreading their information in videos anyway. Uh, but, I mean, if you're just starting out, it's probably just you or a small team. And so at that point, you just got to focus on uh, having... I, I think it's more important to spend a lot of time... Uh, being productive and uh, focusing on the quality of what you're making because that's going to dictate how your success is going to go later on. Um, the funding is mainly just like if you want to build or if you've got ideas for other series and that kind of thing. Um, but I guess it's everyone's got a different uh, you know, um, situation and so uh, they, they might need uh, upfront funding in order to be able to commit to maybe a year or two of research mm. and development. Here's something. Now, one thing we talk to a lot of creators about is diversifying revenue and making sure you are set up in the long term. And uh, Adpocalypse had, was, a, was a big wake-up call for a lot of people. Do you think Adpocalypse was probably one of the best things to happen to creators because <laughs> it made them think about all these extra things? In hindsight, sure. <laughs> a brutal lesson for yeah. some. Yeah. yeah. No, for sure. Uh, I think I think it, it definitely helped out. And uh, I think YouTube kind of needed a shake-up uh, regardless to help people evolve off the platform, uh, especially if they're, you know, stuck in, the, uh, uh, in the, the repetitive nature of making videos on a, like, once a week or twice a week or, God forbid, a daily or twice a day. Um, twice a day. It, it happens. <laughs> um, yeah, and I think uh, having, having any kind of uh, way to, to keep moving forward and making new products uh, is, is pretty important. So, yeah, yes and no. Yeah, it was, it was a horrendous um, time for a lot of creators. A lot of the super big YouTubers said they weren't affected because they'd already diversified a lot. Um, and a lot of creators then, you know, started doing more activities afterwards. So it, it was an interesting lesson, I think, like I said, a hard lesson, but uh, an interesting <laughs> time. Um, and you did talk about the instability of YouTube. And I mean, it's, you know, you jump on Reddit and you see everyone going nuts about the algorithm here or this here and people just not understanding what's happening. How much is the actual YouTube instability? How much is people's misunderstanding of the platform? Sure. Um, no, there's definitely, I think it's more just YouTube keeps evolving and uh, changing direction. And so it's hard to, hard to keep up. But I think that, 
not just not just YouTube, but any kind of business, online business or, or real life, it's you have to be able to adapt with the times and uh, and how how things keep moving. Like that's obviously the channels that are going to survive and the people that are going to survive the businesses survive are the ones that can adapt really well. Yeah. Um. And, and so I think you know it, it's easy to complain about like something that YouTube did, but I think the more productive thing is to figure out what they have changed and how you can adapt with it. And uh, if there is something that maybe uh, you think is just unjust and unfair, you can always make a post about it and get attention for it and mm. try and rally a, a bit of uh, support for change. Mm. Uh, but I find that, uh, oh, I mean, I I like to keep to myself a lot on the internet. And so uh, stuff like this, I never make public posts being like, this sucks, this is awful, <laughs> this is horrible for me and everyone. No, instead, I'm just like, I'm just going to figure out what's changed and I'm going to try and adapt to it. And look, that's a, that's a great point. And a lot of the more sophisticated YouTubers, they, they do adapt because they've learned to do that. A lot of the younger ones are like, what the hell is happening? And they're the ones who lose their mind. Um, it is it is an interesting uh, interesting time because you're right, they do have to adapt. I mean, there are big tech companies, there are a lot of other big tech companies, there are a lot of weird things happening in the world and they adapt to that. I mean, they just recently, and depending on when you listen to this podcast, <laughs> they've changed the way they're... Um, displaying subcards now, right? So uh, if you're under a thousand, it's still the exact number, but over that, it's like one point one, one point two, and so forth. Yeah, I saw um, that post today. Someone yeah. was like, "What's the point?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think it was probably in in regards to what happened with people doing the live tracks. You know, mm-hmm. there's the makeup ones, um, PewDiePie, all those sort of things, and I think that that's just to make not such a big deal of, mm-hmm. of that, but that will no doubt, you know, get people riled up for various yeah, I mean, reasons. Like Instagram's looking at getting rid of showing how many <laughs> likes a post has publicly. Like, they're toying with that. You know, like, all these platforms are, like, are continuously changing how you know, how they work and how they display interactions and I'd, content. I'd love to see them uh, just, like, post the reasoning for it, like, post data and be like, this is this is why we're doing it instead of just being like, we're going to change this and you guys are going to like it, you're going to adapt. <laughs> uh, I, I think the same thing with YouTube, uh, like, the, um, the sub count. Like if they just came out and they were just like, "Here's a is a just objectively decent reason why we're doing this," everyone'd be like, "Oh, okay." Instead, they're just like, "We're going to change it," and everyone's like, "Ah, oh, all right." I mean, they, they can. They, well, <laughs> well, they have they have tried, and one of the things, um, you know, even the CEO said that they're trying to be more transparent with what they do, um, and given what it was, you know, prior to apocalypse, I guess they're definitely a lot, a lot more transparent now, and. You know, having worked with YouTube, we do see them reach out quite a lot and try and create those connections. But it is hard being such a such a big platform and so many creators on the platform. Um, and you know, they try things like Creator Insider and stuff like that, which it's a good step. Um, what do you think they still need to do, though? Oh yeah, they're doing doing much better these days for sure. It's actually nice to just hear that there is a voice behind YouTube. Um, even at VidCon, when you'd be able to talk to the engineers, it's. Uh, it's it's just quite humbling to talk to the people that are just in charge of mm. the algorithm and, and everything. Uh, and and they're actually yeah. really open, nice, easy people to talk to. People yeah. think they're like, you know, they're, they're in a cave and they're all cagey and they're not going to say anything. But they're actually really, they can be some really great people there. Yeah. It, it, it is nice to just to hear reasoning for simple changes that they make. And I think that's really all people can ask for sometimes. Although it, it is it is just hilarious sometimes seeing the changes that YouTube make. And you, you're just baffled. But <laughs> it's, it's you just find it... You just find it funny because it's like it's just like, like such a simple change that has rippling effects, and there are so many people on the platform. Uh, it's yeah, it's interesting that they just change like the UI just randomly one day, and you're like, okay, <laughs> <laughs> I'll relearn everything. Uh, so in, in terms of what else they could change, I mean, well, honestly, to be 
to be honest, I haven't really thought about like what they could do to make the the whole platform a bit better for for creators. It's I, I just find that um, whatever they decide to do with the platform, um, I mean, they, they've got to deal with so much. I mean, whenever they make a, a giant change to things like monetization or um or making sure that channels are safe and disabling comments on certain videos and that kind of thing it's it's for major reasons that i mean they might not even go into um that's just to be able to keep the platform going i mean that's the most important thing they could do keep the platform going so that uh, it's not just like one day it goes away of was it vidme or vimeo that shut down recently uh just like Mm. randomly um and so if they can just not do that that that's that's all I can ask for, really. Great. I mean, what do you think they currently do well compared to what they do badly? Hmm. What do they do well? Um, well, I think the ability to let anyone be found with their content, if it's good enough and if it adds something, if it's educational, entertaining, the ability to be found, even if you're not the kind of person that likes to network or uh, go through an agent or something, like you look at Hollywood and everyone goes through someone to get somewhere in your meetings and parties and stuff to network. But on YouTube, you're dealing with robots that can help promote your stuff. And so it helps a lot of introverted people. It helps a lot of people who are in situations where they can't possibly do stuff like that. Just to be able to, um, to you know, build up a following on their own and uh, find other like-minded people and make connections that way. Um that is by far the best thing that they do. Um, they've definitely changed countless people's lives in that regard, including mine. <laughs> uh, things they could improve on. Um, well, I mean, they're already they're already looking at improving their communication. Uh, I I think uh, just like more clarification on certain rules and policies, right? So uh, one thing that I was looking at recently was. Um, the reused content policy, which is a relatively new thing, I think from late last year. And uh, the whole time uh, it, it was talking about reusing content that maybe is on your own channel or, or whatever. Uh, and th- it was just, it was worded in a way that was a little bit vague. And I actually had to reach out to him and be like, so what's the deal? Like, can you repost your own content? Because it, it doesn't say anything about like, whether or not it's other people's content. They're like, you know, if it's your content, it's fine. I'm like, that's not written on the policy. <laughs> I reread and reread and... <laughs> Uh, and so stuff like that, if, if someone's asking about it and they discover stuff like that, to be able to get that out there and clarify the rules is really important because there's so many cases of people with their own channels in niche genres and stuff that maybe they just can't get anywhere because there's like one rule in the way or think something is just not clarified enough. Uh, so just stuff like that, I think would help. What I wanted to ask was like, you know, talk about YouTube and the, you know, the nuances of it, but and how people get frustrated about like it's against me or, or it's targeting me or why is it not promoting my content? What's your like simplified, what's the like in a nutshell, this is the simplified understanding of how YouTube actually works so that like, in a, you know, an emerging or new creator or even, you know, an established creator can understand like the best way they won't be sitting there frustrated going, why is this not working against me? So what, yeah. Do you have a, yeah, for sure. Um, I think the, the the number one piece of advice is to just remember that YouTube is uh, a platform. It's basically, if you think about it, like a giant robot, right? And it has certain rules, uh, hidden rules maybe. Uh, and there are ways to be able to figure out how you can cater what you're creating in a way that more people would be able to find it, right? 
So this is something that I figured out when I first started. It's just it's just reverse engineering what's already on YouTube and then being able to adapt it to your own content, right? So for instance, getting uh, getting your name out there at the start, you can't create original content like about yourself because no one's going to care. No one knows who you are. But if you start making content about like an IP that's already out there that people know about that already has fans, if you create something that adds something to that and uh, helps other people or entertains other people in that uh, little, little uh, I guess, just waiting pool, then you can start to build a following from that and then you can start to... Uh, uh, I guess just pivot towards other areas. And so I'm, I'm pretty sure PewDiePie did that really. He, he started with gaming where people are already playing the games, there's already fans of the games, uh, and then he put his personality out there to be entertaining. And now he does, I don't even know, <laughs> all kinds of like weird and wonderful ideas uh, every day. Uh, and he, you couldn't really do that if you were just starting out because no one would be able to find you. But now that he's established, he can do that. Uh, and so, yeah, you have to be able to work in a way where you're contributing something that people can find. I mean, the robot can only do so much for you. I mean, you can cater your content all you like to 10 to 20 minutes or whatever the ideal one is and uh, using the right tags and everything. But you have to be able to know if there's a, if there's people that can find that thing and then if they'd if it's quality enough that they would continue to watch you and uh, you can diversify a bit more after that. Um, it's just a, it's just a, a YouTube is a really complicated mass equation that you have to figure out based on the examples of other stuff that's out there and then, uh, and then try and do the same thing with your content. Before we go on, let's just take a quick break here. So creator generation isn't just this podcast. We've been developing an app, Fred. We have indeed. And the app is designed to really bring together the creative community. Um, a lot of creators tell us that they feel you know, quite isolated in their creating. So we thought, well, let's bring everyone together so they can have a great conversation. Totally. And it's called Creator Generation. <laughs> Funnily enough. And you can get that both for iPhone in the App Store and Google or Android. So you mentioned before about you know, um, YouTube having these features that help get content discovered by the right people, people who share that same passion, who are interested. I, I guess it's an important point because a lot of people still want to start on YouTube and they find it daunting. You know, we're like, you know, 700,000 hours or something uploaded every day with content. That's a lot of content going up there. And they're like, how can we compete? Um, and we do say like, you know, you don't really compete against everyone out there. You compete against everyone who's making your type of content. You know, the algorithms are designed to push the content out to the people who like that type of content. Um, and they are becoming smarter and they're trying to create more of that intelligence. So do you think YouTube is currently a good place for new creators to start? Is, is there still hope for them there? Oh, for sure. Um, I was actually just telling my roommate uh, the other day because she's into uh, cosplay and um, uh, makeup and fashion. And I was just saying, you know, I was just giving her like a, a five minute spiel. I'm like, if you do this, this, and this, you'll be like famous in five seconds, <laughs> something like that. Uh, just just giving her some tips on on how to get started. And uh, she hasn't uh, got a following or anything. I was just saying that um that might that might be handy, uh, not just for YouTube, but things like Instagram and um, and Twitter and just building up uh, building up her own business as well. Um, there's lots of opportunities there. So. Yeah, I think I think it's definitely a, it's a good place to start for sure. Um, there's, I'd say that the algorithm behind it is uh, very much catered towards helping people get discovered. 
um, yeah. Here's the thing. If you had to start a new channel now with no leverage from any other channel or your current personality, how well do you reckon you'd do? I'm basically doing that right now. Well, that's what <laughs> I wanted to ask is, yeah. you know, you've got this experimental new channel that you just mentioned. Can we, like, can you give us a bit of a walkthrough case study on what that channel is and what you're doing there to get it, yeah, get um, it started and get it going? Yeah, it's actually uh, a channel that where we do, like, I'm we're doing compilations of uh, some true stories, uh, like some animated true stories we've already done. Um and I figured that uh, because, like, I, I, I'm kind of catering it towards a new audience. So it's kind of repackaging stuff already done, adding in a uh, little bit of new stuff. Um, and so I figured that uh, if you can upload at a certain schedule um, and do it in a way where you're marketing uh, with, like, in an entirely new way, you might find, uh, like, a completely different subset of an audience. So, yeah, I actually haven't really advertised it, like, much at all. I've actually just had a lot of fun just putting it together. Um, I think I did, like, one or two community posts, but I, we haven't, like, done a video advertising or anything, um, just purely because I want to see who, who goes to the channel, and uh, it's mainly just for data, and it's a bit of fun as well. Um, but, yeah, it, it, I think that um, a lot of content creators are starting to realize that um, there is definitely a market for, like, longer type of videos to have quick cuts and so uh standard until now has been mostly about like five to 15 minutes something like that but there actually is a bit of a market for things that are a bit longer uh, i know that there's a thriving industry for uh, like uh kids animations where they go for like half an hour to an hour and uh and parents just throw it on and then it's like <laughs> this binge watch everything um but i think that for not just kids there's actually a, an audience for that too where people want to binge watch certain series certain things and so um but they, they don't want to like have to rewatch the same things over and over you have to do it in an intelligent way where they're getting new stuff pretty constantly um yeah it's it that's pretty much all it is it's just a, it's a fun experiment and so, yeah. you, like what are you what are you doing so what are you trying to what like have you got guiding principles for what you're trying to with what you do on that channel to sort of see how it organically grows like because people listening who are like great how does someone who's got millions and millions of subscribers, but then go back to an organic zero base. Like what are those sort of, have you got any guiding principles or, or a, a template or a, or a plan that you're following on that? Uh, no, I wouldn't say a plan. It's more just uh, the things I've learned over time. Um, just like, just, just good rules to follow. Um, I think the reason countdowns even got like did well in the first place, because that's when they switched over from um, viral videos to watch time. And so, um, I mean, YouTube have even been up front, but saying, like, watch time is pretty important, guys. You should probably focus on that. Uh, and, and so that was, uh, if you can do anything to increase your, your watch time, uh, your retention, um, uh, get people interacting as well. Like, something we do a lot is get people to pitch questions for us to answer or pitch their own stories that they want us to turn into animations, that kind of thing, so we can involve the audience too. Um, have, the, have characters made for them and that kind of stuff. Uh, is is just a good way to interact with them and uh, help help build a bit of uh, uh, bit of excitement when something new comes out. Uh, and, and so yeah, I think uh, there there are definitely little things you can do to improve your uh, your video's performance and discoverability as well. Uh, just standard things like tags or subtitles or end cards. Um, but I think 
uh, the number one thing that people should definitely bear in mind is that um, you can pretty much make a successful channel out of almost anything. But the reason most people don't is because it's really easy to just like give up or pivot in a way that doesn't work mm. um, and to lose faith in what you're doing. Um, that's definitely, uh, it's definitely really important um, to, to just keep, keep pushing through and keep trying new things. And you'll, you'll start to discover, you'll start to pick up some data. And uh, uh, that's cool, another cool thing about YouTube is that it's really open about its data. And uh, you, can, you can start to figure out what's working and what isn't. Can you put it like? Can we eavesdrop on that conversation with your roommate a little bit? Like, what was your what was your you know top advice there to you know your cosplay uh, loving roommate? Well, I think uh, the thing about cosplay that's uh, really uh, really cool is that every cosplay you do always has an audience built in, right? People love that character. People love the series that their character is from. So it kind of markets itself, really. You, you you can easily find a subset of the audience who are interested in learning how to make that cosplay, interested in seeing uh, that cosplay at conventions. Um, and I think, you know, makeup tutorials are quite big on YouTube. It's quite easy to just pivot that from, uh, like, how to blah, blah, blah into, like, how to make a wig for this specific cosplay. And there are a lot of people interested in that. And she's done a... Um, uh, a fashion degree and so she knows specifically like how to uh how to make things that are like use use things that are quite cheap and turn it into something that looks really good and so you know i was like saying well you could make a tutorial about like you know uh, a lot of people like they might have just no funding and so they need they need tips like that from someone who's had experience um she's always like fixing things in her house like she's been installing like uh tower racks and stuff and like every time we have like an issue like we had a cat door that our cat was not going through she would just like bang her head against it she'd get frightened by the noises she just wouldn't go through it and um and so we tried everything to keep this cat door open it just wasn't happening uh and so we told her about it and three seconds later she comes out with blue tack uh sticks up the door and she's like i fixed it (laughs) i'm like you're so handy this is this is crazy um uh and she does the same thing with cosplays like she's basically one of those people that if you come to her with like a cosplay issue. She can fix it within seconds. She just has an intricate knowledge on all these materials and all these, uh, how, how wigs work. She actually just uh, pilfered a wig. Uh, so she cannibalized the wig to create a, another wig uh, that uh, our cat was quite interested in. She wanted to, uh, <laughs> she wanted to eat it, which is unfortunate. Um, but yeah, I, I was just saying that there are all kinds of things you can do, not just on YouTube, but Instagram um, to, and also Facebook and stuff because, I mean, you could you could pivot to being someone who gives tips on cosplays. You could be someone who makes cosplays and then uses models to show them off, just like you would at a fashion show. Um, there are lots of opportunities and things you can do, but I think the, the important thing is that you pick one, <laughs> you start doing it, because most people wouldn't. They would just be like, oh, that's a cool idea. Uh, it's easy to come up with ideas. Everyone's got ideas. But uh, to be able to follow through with it, to invest in the equipment and uh, make things that are intriguing is a whole nother, whole nother ball game. Just stepping back to one thing you said before, you mentioned about where creators, you know, spend time and focus. And um, one thing that comes up sometimes is the, is the metadata and the things around tags. And we have talked about the system becoming a lot smarter now, um, and an emphasis actually going away from things like tags, video tags, because the system is now smart enough to watch the videos and understand how they work and listen to them and understand who the audience is. Um, and like, you know, I think even in creator 
insider, you know, the guys from Discovery did say spend nearly all your time on titles and thumbnails rather than on video tags. But there are still people out there who still push the idea of, you know, that whole that SEO element and, you know, having a set methodology for guaranteed success. What, what do you what do you say about that? Titles and thumbnails are my favorite part. This this new channel is basically that. I love it. Like it's just coming up with the intriguing titles for like stories we've already done or stories that we're working on, and coming up with a, a thumbnail encapsulates that, uh, or, or has something unexpected. Is, uh, is is by far my favorite part. Uh, yeah, the other stuff like tags and stuff like, yeah, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll I think that um, when we started uh, really taking off with our videos, you know, SEO is cool and everything. Like it helps, it helps you with discoverability. But I think that it's really more important to focus on understanding why people like your content in the first place. You make something, and uh, you need, you need to figure out like who is watching it and and why they're interested in it. Because if you keep changing it, then you're going to lose your audience. Mm. Uh, and you got to make sure the quality of what you're making is the best it can be. And if you if you start to uh, not not care about what you're making, uh, people are going to notice a drop in quality anyway. Fair enough. So tags will be less relevant, you reckon, as it goes forward? Well, it, it helps with discoverability. It helps to catalog videos for sure. Uh, but, I mean, as long as you've got the basic tags in there, as long as you've got, like, certain keywords, um, yeah. It, I mean, that's just me, though. I, uh, I'm sure a lot of other content creators might feel differently. But It is an interesting one because it's one thing when we talk to creators, they have quite varying opinions about it. Mm. Um, when we talk to the experts, most of them are, like, tags don't matter that much anymore but they look at it i mean having talked to the discovery team a lot and looking at how intelligent the the, the, the system is becoming um but you know there's two quite different opinions and you know the creators have seen a lot of success in different ways so it still is an interesting debate about whether to keep including lots of interesting tags or focus more on things like title and thumbnails which is where we often say you know put that effort into so yeah Interesting for interesting to see how that evolves over time. Put the effort in titles and thumbnails. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's. I like to think of it like um, uh, it's kind of like how Facebook redid MySpace's. Uh, like you know how MySpace just had like a, a just a vomit of like a yeah, color and yeah, all this garbage, right, yeah. and then Facebook was like, no, no, profile picture banner. That's yeah. all you need. And um, it's the same thing with YouTube. Like title, thumbnail. That's your marketing, and so that's excellent. Instead of uh, coming up with some kind of a marketing campaign, eh? like ads on TV, and you're like, we should show a family enjoying the product with like a, a dog involved and a CGI creature. No, it's just a thumbnail and a title. It's it's actually quite liberating to just focus on that. Yeah. You guys, like, do you do anything around how you come up with thumbnails? Like, you've, you've got a, a team. Do you, is it a, is it a team thing? Is it a, you know, does that, that just live with one person um do you a b test them things like that yeah it's just me i love doing it's my favorite part i love the marketing side of things it's i find it so fascinating when a video does better probably because like the title's good or the thumbnail is just the right pick or something like that it's actually one of the one of the reasons our countdown channel started taking off is because we had one video one one thumbnail that like it actually triggered people's phobia it was um the thing we have the marks in the skin, trypophobia, I believe it's called, mm. where you got like little like lumps and stuff, and it was just like it was like someone's back and it was full of lumps. And so uh, once that video started taking off, YouTube kept removing the thumbnail because like <laughs> you got to stop this. And I kept adding it back in. I'm like, no, it's actually working quite well. Eventually, I did get rid of it, but uh, is is interesting. And I think 
even these days, having a provocative thumbnail is good. Um, they definitely doubled down on getting rid of like, I'd say garbage videos where it's just like very clickbaity. Yeah. But um, I think still having ones that resonate with people, and I know that story time videos have been doing really well because of that, where it's um, it's a title and the thumbnail to support it that kind of promises an animation talking about the thing. Mm. Um, so it's it's gotten a lot better in that regard. Have you seen an example where you had like what you guys believed was a, a pretty killer piece of content? It was great but it just wasn't doing what you thought it was and you've gone ahead and changed the thumbnail or a title and, and seen and it. Has that, does right. that help? Have you, have you seen anything like that? Uh, like flipping the thumbnail. Yeah, I, uh, so we've, we've definitely tried that, but I, I, like to, I like to do that with new content or at least if we remix it to create something new, we might do that. Uh, to go back to old videos and start flipping thumbs feels cheesy. Uh, <laughs> we've definitely tried it a few times, but I've never really seen many. Uh, I've never really seen that work that well because once you've put the video out there and it's got its initial audience, it kind of it's like your major, like the major flood of people, um, and after that point, it's just kind of diminishing returns. Uh, yeah, I, interesting. Uh, yeah, I'd say uh, I'd say doing it for new videos is more my my jam rather than. And how new is new videos? Like, what's the time period you're talking about? <clears throat> a week. A week. <laughs> right. Yeah. After a week, no one because you go back to like a, a video you made like two weeks ago, and all the comments are two weeks old, and there might just be some random who is posted a day ago. They're like, "What? What is this video?" <laughs> like they they don't know. Um, yeah, it's uh, YouTube is about fast consuming content for sure. Uh, things like uh, YouTube originals are more about like evergreen content, and to an extent, YouTube is about that. But it's also about pumping out tons of stuff. Be it like a minimum of like once or twice a week is good. It's a really good point because you do put out quite a bit of content, um, and there is always that debate between you know evergreen versus trending. Um, you know, evergreen being always relevant, trending, you know, new and and relevant. Um, what kind of ratio do you have with your videos and how much of your videos are found, you know, old videos are found years afterwards? We're definitely all evergreen. Um, we never really go for trending topics, even with our uh, our videos that could basically be evergreen. Um, just because I think trending is more for the kind of Twitch audience where it's about uh, the creator talking about a, a current topic or an issue um, and they can give their two cents on it and people remember that. Whereas uh, if... Our, our content is not about like one personality. It's about a group of characters. It's about stories, animations. And so uh, creating content that people can consume anytime uh, in the future is important to us. Uh, I think, uh, I mean, pretty much the trending tab is just, yeah, full of, full of that kind of stuff. It's uh, uh, what's, what's been happening in the news or, or some drama or something like that. Uh, and I think that, yeah, the content that we, we make is something that you kind of discover and then you want to binge watch, um, kind of like a TV show. Right. And do you have, uh, with your back catalog, do you see a lot of views into your back catalog of content? Yep. Yeah, it's the only reason we can fund like 30 or so people who go in our team is that we have um, that that backlog of stuff and uh, we, every time we create new new content, it's just like another, uh, just an, another way to keep things uh, secure in that, in that sense. And with your 30 people, can you tell us, like, the breakup of your team? How does that, like, what are the 30 people assigned to? Yeah, we've got, like, uh, seven voice actors who are the main characters on our channel. We've got um, a few writers. We've got at least one or two editors. 
uh, we've got lots of artists and animators. So there are lots of there are lots of artists who who can't animate, but they still want to contribute. And so we created formats of videos where we can just use still images and clever editing to be able to let them contribute as well. But then we've got animators specifically for animation channel. Um, so I'll, I'll, most of our team is composed of those guys. We've got um, sound designers. The, the sound designers we got are, the, are these guys from, um, I think it's Germany, and they uh, they do sound for Kurtzgast. Um, and we've been working with those guys since about 2015, and they're they're amazing. They do whole video in about a week. It's it's incredible. Yeah, it's just a big old varied mix. I'm probably forgetting a whole bunch, um, <laughs> but that's that's the nature of it, I guess. And do you like working with a big team? I mean, especially, you know, you said you started in your own bedroom and now you've got like 30 people working with you. How does that feel? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's it's pretty good. It's I guess once you reach a certain amount, like I'd say 30 is about the most I can manage on my own. Yeah. Uh, and I am managing most of everything on my own. I got an operations manager to help me out. But in terms of like expansion, I don't think I could go beyond this unless we start doing something completely different, which we are doing actually. We're doing... Um, TV animations at the moment with a side team. Uh, I, I'd say, yeah, uh, it, it gets a bit out of control. You can't give people the uh, the attention and the conversation that they deserve. That, look, this is a it's a it's a point that I think a lot of YouTubers want. This idea of going from zero to having this great career and this big team is is a big is a big dream for a lot of creators, especially when they're starting out. The reality of that is something else. I mean, what do you? How do you manage that time now? You got to create all that content and run the channel, but you're also managing all these people and managing your opportunities. Well, how do you feel about all that? It's, it's a, uh, it's a lot of responsibility. <laughs> um, I, I, I find that. I mean, most of the, uh, most of the managerial work I do is by necessity. I mean, if if I'm managing like all of this stuff, I. Uh, you know, I'll just try and handle people's. Uh, actually, we found that we haven't really had many issues in terms of like um, crises or PR stuff, or whatever, because we just keep things fairly low key and simple. Um, but I mean, it's it's really hard to manage people when it comes to time zones because I mean, Australia is just the worst when it comes to time zones. Everyone's just the opposite side of the world, and so uh, like if I'm talking to someone in New Zealand, that's easy. But the US, the UK, Canada, ugh, like it's. <laughs> Like I, I, I'm like, oh, let's have a meeting. I'll, I'll get up at five a.m. <laughs> and then, <laughs> but then it'll be like two p.m. or something. Uh, but we mostly communicate through uh, like text, Discord. Uh, we used to use Skype a lot, but it's Discord now. <laughs> uh, and so it's there are challenges, but um, I, I'd say it's it's manageable, and we seem to be doing okay. So. And I mean, do you? <clears throat> like what you're doing would you rather go back and create more content creating content or are you happy with this big team and what the future is looking like in terms of a much more established larger structure yeah um i think i think in terms of youtube we don't have any like lofty goals but um what we've been trying to work towards since forever is be able to do uh story animations basically tv animations basically cartoons um, and I talked about this at VidCon, I think, a couple of times on some panels, uh, how that's always been kind of our goal. But I guess the problem with making a uh, a big-budget animation like that is, first off, it's cost-prohibitive. Second off, you have to have uh, like a completely separate team that um, you have to have like a, an art director. You have to be able to do backgrounds, layouts, and stuff more than what on YouTube, which is just you have a script, you can assign it to an animator, and it's it's pretty straightforward from there. Um that uh, 
but I mean, we are moving towards it now. Uh, but I, I found that with YouTube, you can't really make stuff like that because you have to be able to consume content so fast. There's no way to fund that just from ad revenue alone, no way. So um, you have to be able to make content to be able to fund that or you have to find outside funding or you have to work with a, a studio that's well-established. Yeah, I mean, that's that's our kind of like where we're moving forward towards. Uh, I guess it's different for every content creator. The uh, the other Storytime animators that were on the, the panel at VidCon, they, uh, they, they said they don't even know where things are going to go in the future, <laughs> which I can definitely relate to. I mean, you never really know where the platform is going to go or what it's going to lead towards. Um, so... I think we're all still figuring that out. I mean, YouTube's new as is just becoming a thing when I was in high school, uh, and uh, I think I think we're all still figuring it out and where things are going to go. I mean, I mean now you got e celebrities uh, everywhere, and that really wasn't a thing that long ago. It sounds really simple to go from a creator in the bedroom by yourself making stuff for fun, and then all of a sudden you got thirty people working on a channel that's blown up like that. The way you described it earlier on sound like one month you were by yourself. The next month you, there was thirty of you. That I, I I don't think that's how it worked, but no. if it did, right on, man. But um, so what was that like? What what like how did the how the hell do you even go to the next step of like getting someone else on the channel and, and paying them like the, that? Just that one. What's that next step look like? Yeah, we're talking about rocky transition periods and adapting. Yeah, that was hard because, I mean, it was just me at the start. I was doing all scripting, all the editing. I voiced by necessity. I don't actually want to voice <laughs> videos. Like, I think there are voice actors who are better at the job, but I just kind of voiced it, and people got attached to my accent. They're like, I can't figure out who you are. Are you Dutch? I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> sure, yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> um, but then I started bringing on other voice, act- other voice actors, ones who had interesting, unique voices, and people just lost it. They're like, this is not Dolan. This is some other goon. How do you? And uh, like, I'm just sitting there like, this is what I want to do in the first place. I want to get other voice actors. I thought, you know, they're really good at this. Um, and every time we brought on a voice actor, they would just get hate and hate. Yeah, right. And I was telling, like, they, they were just like, oh, everyone hates me. I'm like, dude, you're doing fantastic. They're crazy. Just keep going. You, you're doing awesome. Um, I've, I think... Now, in 2019, it's okay if we bring someone new on. But I think from 2014 to 2017, people hated it. Um, <laughs> so, did you pay did you, those voice actors? Did you pay them? Like, how yeah, did that yeah. start? Like, you, you were, it, your channel started growing. So, you sure. Um, well, I guess we just advertised by having a, a job posting under our videos. It was just like, uh, here's our website, here's a link that is just like, we're looking for these people. So, voice actors, writers. And so people would just email us saying how hey, I got this experience. Um, and so we would negotiate a deal and then we'd bring them on as a recurring thing. Um, I, I try not to bring on people temporarily uh, because I like to, if I offer someone some work, I, I like to be able to build a rapport with them and um, give them something they can rely on as well. Because uh, it's easy to just hire someone and be like, you work for two months and then just go away. <laughs> Shoot. Uh, but I try and, I try and, I, I give. Everyone we bring on, I try and give them the forefront, right? Because I find that with a lot of TV shows and channels, they have a lot of people working in the background as like writers and editors that don't get like any credit or they don't get like they don't feel important in, in, in terms of the channel. They just make stuff and that's it. Some people are okay with that. But uh, what we do is we highlight who worked on the channel like right away. We give them a character each so that um, we can we can put them in videos. They have like voice cameos and stuff. We try and involve them as much as we can. Um, and try and try and push people towards their Twitters and stuff, and be like, "Hey, check out this other cool stuff that we're working on." Uh, we try and 
we we try and push that a lot more because I yeah I I think if I was working for a channel and 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 doing stuff like that I think I'd appreciate that as well so I think yeah helping them out in that way I mean a lot of a lot of these guys have started doing other stuff based on just working for Planet Dolan um which I love awesome. so you talked about before the idea of wanting to do and bring in more voice actors um. What is that issue like with expectation versus reality? Like sometimes, you know, we'd want, you know, creators want to say, oh, I'm going to do this, it's going to be great, and you put in all this effort, and they change it up, and then it's just like everyone loses their, their shit. They're like, ah, you know, <laughs> go back. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. this is exactly why I make new channels. Because, <laughs> like, <laughs> you want to make, like, a, you want to, exp- like, I mean, when you're starting out, you can experiment with anything you want. Like, if you're doing a gaming channel, you can do anything in the realm of gaming, and there's really no big deal. But once you start to get established, especially for a series that people like, and you start to do other stuff, they don't like that. So uh, if you wanted to completely change your audience, you know, starting a new channel is an okay idea. As long as you're okay starting from scratch and committing to it for the for the long term. I wouldn't recommend starting too many channels because that's just like, I mean, I've got two abandoned <laughs> channels now that have, I don't know how many subs. Um, and that was just because, uh, you know, it's just fun exper- experimenting, trying new things. I mean, well, like, we've created content and we put a lot of effort into it. And we're like, oh, this is going to be awesome. And we put it up and they're like, what? What the hell is this? You know? Because it wasn't like everything else people have watched. Or, you know, there's the audience wants something. They're attached. You know, YouTube is, they subscribe to a lot of channels typically and they love a lot of different things for different reasons. And when you mix that up even slightly sometimes, there can be problems. But, you know, if you're a big channel, you do have to mix things up a bit to some extent. That's an interesting line. Yeah, uh, we've definitely had videos that have not done as well and uh like ones that you think are funny that just don't land um i, I learned that early on uh, i remember watching comedy channels and I'm like oh i could try one or two of these and then i did them and uh everyone hated them i'm like all right got it this is good data <laughs> not trying that again well that's um, right that's what you need right you, you can't look at it and go oh, I'm, I'm a failure i'm gonna stop you gotta look at it and say that's that's good data i know what people like now and i'm edging towards the right thing yeah. uh, what happens though as you get bigger and you do have to adapt the content a little bit like how much anger should you put up with in order to try and find that 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 new formula for success yeah i think uh a lot of the channels based on a personality get away with a lot more because people are there for that person mm. um i mean uh, i find it hilarious when people like uh pewdiepie or markiplier like oh, i took a giant risk doing this new, new series i'm like no people are just gonna watch whatever you put out you're all good um but i think for a lot of like company-based channels like us uh it's more about just finding formats of stuff that resonate and uh, and trying new ideas and making series people can rely on to watch, to be able to binge watch or whatever it is. Because um, maybe they have a whole bunch of characters that are attached to or uh, a certain type of format that they want to see more of. Um, it's just, yeah, uh, about trying to figure out what you enjoy making versus what they expect versus uh, what is feasible <laughs> in terms of like producing it semi-regularly uh, with like how much it might cost, and uh, yeah, it's 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 another mass equation that sometimes drains the fun. Uh, but if you can figure it out, then uh, it's like a whole new experience and and leads to more opportunities. And uh, yeah, it's I find it fun, but not everyone might find that fun. That you, you, that's interesting, isn't it? Because YouTube it's always evolving, right? But if you think back to traditional TV, you know it evolved, but it evolves at a much slower pace. So people have time to adapt and build structures. Whereas YouTube, even though it's been around for like you know a good amount of time now, right, um, fifteen plus years, oh, 15, uh, getting there, yeah, getting the fifteen plus years, um, it's 
still evolving so fast. And if not, it's gotten even faster and faster because it's adapting to so many different things. So like even established YouTubers, like you're talking about on this panel, they're still not <laughs> sure where it's going or what to do next. And, and it's, it's really, it's a, it's, a, it's a crazy journey in many ways, isn't it? Yeah, um, I think, I mean, it, MCNs were like a big thing not even that long ago. And now yeah. it's, uh, now we're all kind of just dirty doing word. Th- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, now we're all just kind of doing our own thing and uh, still still figuring it out. And I think, um, I mean, sponsorships started to become a thing not that long ago as well because that was like hard to do. It was just, uh, you don't know where to go for it. You don't know which ones are dodgy, which ones are legit. Whereas nowadays there are uh, systems in place to help, help content creators out with that. Um, so I think we're slowly getting there, uh, but you know, it's technology is moving so ridiculously fast. And it was actually my my brother not long ago said he's just scared that like the laws can't keep up with how fast technology is advancing. Like uh, something that I'm really excited for in the future and the near future is uh, augmented reality. So you put on glasses, sunglasses, whatever, and it'll just overlay uh, 3D graphics onto the real world. Uh, kind of like what we saw with the Hololens, um, but in a much more much less <laughs> big thing over your face much less vr kind of thing um and i think once once that becomes a thing i think things are going to change very very quickly kind of like how smart friends changed everything very really quickly um and so yeah I, uh, that is concerning but i think given time it'll be okay but we're in this giant scary uh you know lava cooling on the earth to form life itself <laughs> kind of period where everything's being destroyed and recreated so yeah Everything will be okay, but in the meantime, we're just going to panic and <laughs> adapt. <laughs> well, we'll probably um, ask the, the question. We ask a lot of our creators, like, what are your top tips for then an emerging creator or a creator on the platform? Yeah, tenacity, for sure. Um, you just have to make stuff, right? It doesn't have to be that good. It's like learning an instrument. You just you just make lots of stuff and you experiment. <clears throat> you find what you find interesting to make. Also, to research other channels, Um Start to, to start to look at videos as like a, a reverse engineering job. To, just like you, you just break down what it is about the video that um, succeeded or didn't succeed. You might have a channel that should have succeeded, but you don't know why it didn't. Or uh, you know, it might be a big channel, and you, you you're like, well, it's not that good. Like, what, what could possibly have happened there? And so you have a look at all the metadata for. It. I mean, half the time you'd have to you have to figure it out on your own. But if you watch enough videos and um, there are channels dedicated to uh, teaching people how to use YouTube um, that you can you can learn from. I think it was video creators that I, I learned mm, from. Tim Schmoyer. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I, uh, I was watching Tim uh, back in, I think it was 2011 or 2012, and I learned a lot from his channel. And uh, he's still going today. I haven't, I haven't watched his stuff in a while, but uh, that was really handy because he could give you data on stuff you didn't realize, uh, even if you make your own channel. Uh, and using that data, you can you can actually start to figure out how a channel worked. And I think Social Blade really helps. You can mm-hmm. figure out like when a channel peaked or how a channel got discovered, and then you can start to replicate the same thing. You don't have to copy them, of course. You can take inspiration from how they got started. You can start to adapt their techniques into the cool thing that you want to make and that you're contributing something new to. Fantastic. Dolan, <laughs> thanks for joining us on of Creator course. Generation. It's been awesome. Of course. Thanks, it's mate. Fun. Dolan, so professional. 
<laughs> so interesting. Uh, he's brilliant. He really knows his stuff. Indeed. You got any questions for Dolan or for us, let us know through the socials, Insta, or Twitter, or if you want to get on the Creative Generation app and ask some questions there, please do. Otherwise, we will see you next week. Bye. See ya. Bye.